my team knows that there is one thing they can bring to me during the day that's probably going to get under my skin. I shouldn't be saying this. I'm not real proud of it, but it is what it is. So a lot of my patients have artificial joints, whether it's hip or knee. Uh, We have a lot of them. A lot of my, you know, probably over 55-ish patients have had it actually recently. And it's kind of a pet peeve of mine because what we've done as dentists over the years uh, to treat these patients has been throw antibiotics at them. So, and the problem is, is that the evidence isn't there for us to throw antibiotics at them. Uh, the ADA, the AAOS, which is the orthopedic surgeon's version, you know, it's, it's their organization. They all recommend against it except for very specific cases. But what sucks is that history makes it hard to quit this. Patients have been thinking we've been looking out for them over these years. So then when you tell them that they don't have to do it again, some of them get hung up on it. And furthermore, a lot of the surgeons around me, actually almost all the surgeons around me, have just painted with a broad brush saying they want premedication for, for anyone with a, with a total joint replacement for life, period. And to be frank, they really don't want to be bothered with it after they see this patient. They want the dentist to take care of this. So this is a huge pet peeve of mine because I have literally been railing against this for quite some time. I'm not even sure why I get so passionate about it, except that I think I have this weird sense of right and wrong here. So my poor team knows that the, that I'm... I will always be on the edge of blowing a gasket when they ask me about this. I've gotten better, actually. And the good news is a lot of patients are super excited to hear that they don't have to take a giant bolus of antibiotics before they come to the office. But uh, literally on probably a couple times a month basis, I have to have this conversation with a patient. Uh, Interestingly, orthopedic surgeons don't ever really want to come to the phone and talk about this stuff. They just don't want to be questioned. So I'm going to dig in a little bit. I don't know if I'm the right person to do this, but I definitely have like, <laughs> it irritates me enough where I feel like I want to talk about it. And since I'm going to be solo on this show, there's no one really to counter me. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think about total joint replacement and antibiotics. So uh, let's get this thing going. dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. All right, before we get going, I would like to thank the people who bring this show and every episode of it to you, people at Premier Dental. I, uh, I really appreciate them supporting the show. And what's really cool about it is that I use a lot of their products. So it makes a ton of sense for me to have them as as uh, as backers of the show. Now, lately, I, I've talked about it a lot. I'm going to talk about it again. I'm going to talk about their Perio Probe. You're thinking, really, me? You've got a Perio Probe you're all excited about? But here's the thing. Perio Probes are pretty boring. And to have one that I'm excited about is kind of cool. I use... Premier's PerioWise Perio Probe. I use it for a couple different reasons. Uh, and when I say I, I mean me, but I also mean my hygienists who freaking love it. Uh, it's a plastic probe, the PerioWise. It has a selection of markers. You can get them with uh, just regular, you know, uh, millimeter markers, or you can get them colored where it's, you know, the first three, sort of like a PSR, 
Uh, the first three millimeters are green, and the rest of them are marked out in red just to show. It's it's awesome to use uh, in the microscope when patients can see it. It's awesome to be able to take pictures of, but but frankly, it's actually awesome when you're using it and you can see the color contrast. But the best part about it is the shape and materials. Like there's a teeny tiny little ball at the end of it, just enough to get into that sulcus, but it's plastic. It's a little softer. And I'm going to tell you that patients have less sensitivity from it. It's really cool. Perio-wise, periodontal probes from Premier. Now, why didn't we think of this earlier? What's the story on this? And I'm sure that like hardcore Perio people feel like they only want to use the metal ones, blah, 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 whatever. You know what? It's about patient comfort, people, and these are more comfortable. Try it on yourself. You won't even freaking believe it. Perio-wise, Perio probes from, uh, from Premier Dental Products. Inspired solutions for daily dentistry. That's exactly what they make. Stuff that you use every day, all the time. Premier rocks. End of story. So let's dig in a little bit to uh, this antibiotic premedication for uh, total joint replacements. It's not a sexy topic. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to draw in all the listeners in the world, but this is it's been enough of a pet peeve of mine. I feel like it's worth talking about. And, and this has been going on for a long time. Like these are current recommendations from the AA. OS and the ADA are literally, I mean, they're new enough that I think not everyone knows about them. A lot of people, a lot of people continue to just write antibiotic prescriptions because it's easier than not writing it. And I think that's wrong. I think on a lot of levels that's wrong, but let's just dig in a little bit. First off, let's talk about why we have always written antibiotics for this stuff. Because the reason that we have is because it is scientifically plausible that dental work could cause uh, infections in a knee joint. It's scientifically plausible. In other words, you can tell a story that that follows. It makes sense that this could happen. So what's plausible? Joint infections coming from bacteria in the bloodstream. That's very plausible. In fact, that's, you know, to some extent that's that's true. Uh, what else what else is plausible? That oral bacteria gets in the bloodstream from dental work. So what they're saying is you can get a transient septicemia from uh, working in the oral cavity. So if you're doing scaling and root planing, if you take a tooth out, uh, if you reflect a flap to do some surgery, something like that, basically they're saying that's an open wound where oral bacteria can get into the bloodstream. Now, what's interesting about that is that it's not, when you think about it that way, you're like, oh my God, they must have septicemia all the time. Every time we work on people, we make them bleed. But to be honest, the science doesn't necessarily say that. I think uh, one thing you need to remember is that a human body runs into lots of times where they can get bad stuff in their bloodstream, whether it's walking through the woods and getting scratched by a pricker bush or having a dental hygienist clean your teeth or uh, biting the wrong way on a Dorito, which is really my favorite way of having a, a transient septicemia. Um, basically there's lots of times when, uh, the outer surface of your body is interrupted by some bacteria covered thing. Okay. So we have this amazing thing. It's called an immune system. It is pretty amazing. And I'm not going to dig in deep on that, but you remember there's two different kinds of immune system. There's the, everyone thinks of the immune system where they get all bent out of shape about vaccines and stuff. The adaptive part of our immune system where our, our immune system literally can recognize, you know, bad things. And then we remember that. We have this amazing way to remember when these bad things, that's why vaccines work. That's why, you know, you don't get chicken pox twice, all that stuff. But more importantly, and maybe more importantly for the kind of stuff we're talking about, we have the innate immune system. 
And the innate immune system is made up of lots of different things to keep us healthy, you know, not the least of which are surface barriers. We have mucosal barriers, you know, skin and, and tissue, that sort of thing. Um, we have the generic inflammation, which basically everyone thinks of inflammation as, oh, it's horrible. That means you have uh, periodontal disease. It means you have no inflammation is actually your immune system fighting bad stuff. Now, because it's pretty generic and because it's not very specific, you can inflammation ends up becoming a problem if it's, you know, long-term chronic. But for short-term, inflammation's awesome. Like, it's great that we it gets blood supply there. It gets all these... We also have, like, um, the complement system. If you remember complement, it's just basically this this nonspecific thing that kills all bad stuff that gets in your blood. So bottom line is we have this amazing immune system that works. Uh, and because our everyday life is filled with times when basically our... <laughs> the surface of our body is pierced and injected with some kind of horrible bacteria. So uh, we're pretty well adapted to to dealing with that stuff. The last thing that that seems plausible about this whole premedication debacle is that if you took antibiotics prior to dental work, the antibiotics could be in the bloodstream and that could help with, you know, prevent joint infections by by this killing the oral bacteria before they get to any joints. Again, we've got this immune system that's that's doing that whether we want it to or not. It just does it all you want. So antibiotics, uh, you could argue that would maybe help with that. I don't know. It's plausible. So for a lot of years, we've just we've just done that. We you know we got antibiotics and we're like, hey, this will help, and and so we threw antibiotics at it. There, there's really no research that proves that it does. There's no research that even actually suggests. That it does that. It's it's mostly the reason we've done it is because it would it's plausible that having an antibiotic on board would you know would help reduce the bacterial load from this this horrible septicemia that you're going to get when you go to the dentist. So all of that's plausible, but what well, the problem is, is then there's a bunch of what I would call implicit assumptions that are made from these plausible statements. You know, like uh, for instance, one assumption that's made is that dental work is particularly likely to cause this septicemia. So like, oh my gosh, every time you come into the dentist's office, you are, you're very likely to get a septicemia that could cause one of these joint infections. And, and the story is there is no evidence to prove that whatsoever. The bottom line is most dental procedures are, you know, you're just as likely to have the same exposure to oral bacteria, brushing your teeth, you know, and jagging yourself with your toothbrush or, or a biting a, a you know biting a, a Dorito or something like that. It's it is not it's not a particularly dangerous thing. And, and the whatever slight measurable or unmeasurable amounts of bacteria you get in your bloodstream are are taken care of quickly by your immune system. Anyhow, that's 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 the thought process. Um, the other implicit assumption, one of them, is that when you hear this stuff, you say, okay, most joint infections happen because dental patients weren't premedicated prior to procedures being done, right? Like like when you think the way that the way that you would hear it, the way that, that the orthopedic surgeons talk about it, it's the classic thing. Anyone that you've ever had as a patient saying, Oh yeah, I had a I had a, a joint infection. One of my joints got infected. And typically just, you know, the the blaming it on the dentists and the blaming it on oral bacteria almost always comes from someone who's had a joint uh has had this joint for a while. You know, like like they don't necessarily blame early, um, early joint infection on dentists because typically you can point to the wound not healing correctly, you know, from the surgery 
as the bigger problem. But then after that, it's like the generic answer is, oh, did you have any dental work in the last six months? And of course, you know, uh, that's a pretty broad net, you know, like if you've seen the dentist. And so uh, the bottom line is, as dentists understand, we're going to get blamed for this one way or the other. That's just the way that's just the way that it goes. I don't even really have a problem with that. Um I don't think they're doing uh, like a big CSI breakdown on joints that got infected or failed to find the exact bacteria. Because frankly, how would they even know? How how would they? What you're not seeing here is lawsuits that blame dentists for not premedicating patients correctly for joint infections. You are not seeing that now. If I am wrong about this, if you're if you are a listener, you're going no, me, that's wrong. Uh, there are these these lawsuits and people and dentists are losing and, and, and this is a problem. I need you to email me at, uh, Alan, A L A N at the Alan Mead experience.com or Alan at Mead family I'm more likely to get that one. I don't check the other one as often, but here's the deal. If you are saying, no, 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 people really are getting sued. I, I want to know about it, but don't email me unless you can point to a specific lawsuit or point to a specific, I need a, I need a link that shows that. Because otherwise, that's just a story that guys are telling at the bar after the CE event, right? Like, the reality is, is that I, I've done some research on this. I won't say I've done a particularly deep dive, but I cannot find lawsuits where a dentist was held responsible for a joint being failing because they didn't premedicate. Okay, so this is, we're all living in fear of that, but there is not, a track record of this being a thing, just so you know. I can't find it anywhere. But if you have, I'm perfectly willing to be wrong about this. I would perhaps change my tune if this is becoming a, a thing. But really, there isn't. Unfortunately, it, actually, in my opinion, I believe that it's going to need to be a thing in a courtroom for us to get any kind of resolution on this, which is horrifying when you think about it. I mean, at some point, uh, this ends up being just a, a legal thing. But anyhow, I, I'm sort of getting off track, as I always do. So um, the thought is that, yeah, people get infections because they didn't get premedicated or it was from dental work. Well, there's no real evidence of that. And, and the other, you know, the, the implicit assumption made from there is that joint infections are basically all caused by oral bacteria. And honestly, I fell prey to this one myself. I thought, well, it makes sense that they are because, you know, people get oral bacteria in their bloodstream all the time because they're flossing or they're brushing or they're eating something that's sharp or whatever. So this isn't that weird. It wouldn't be that weird of a thing, even if the patient hadn't been to the dentist. But as it turns out, I'm not even right about that. From According to the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, staphylococci, uh, staph aureus and coagulase negative staphylococcus species account for more than half of the cases of pr- prosthetic hip and prosthetic knee infection. Staph aureus infection is particularly common in patients with rheumatoid arthritis, other bacteria and fungi cause the remainder of cases. And here's a long one that I'm probably going to slaughter. Propionibacterium acnes is a common cause of infection associated with shoulder arthroplasty. Arthroplasty. There you go. Uh, up to 20% of cases are polymicrobial. Okay, so there's, there's polymicrobial means a ton of different bugs, right? Uh, most commonly involving methicillin-resistant staph aureus uh-oh, or anaerobes. There's the anaerobes. That would probably be some dental bacteria. Approximately 7% of cases are culture negative, so they couldn't even find any bacteria there. So the bottom line is uh, the evidence points to the fact that, no, it isn't oral bacteria that's causing all these problems. All this stuff that we're getting all bent out of shape about, <laughs> when you dig into it, it's not even the bacteria that are in the mouth for crying out. This is ridiculous. So it's skin bacteria. 
Staph aureus is the one that, you know, when you have skin problems, that's, that's what they're treating. So anyhow, it's just worth understanding that uh, what we think and what is real are, are sometimes two different things. So then there's an assumption that antibiotics prior to dental treatment are effective at preventing joint infections. So you're like, okay, okay, so we know that it's not the right bacteria. But, hey, if we give them antibiotics, at least we know that it will help prevent uh, joint infections from oral bacteria, right? There's no evidence for this whatsoever. <laughs> There's never been. Yeah, how do you study that? I mean, how could you even study that? They have done some animal studies that have, but not even specific enough for you to say that, to make a, make a guess about that. So the bottom line is there is no evidence that having an antibiotic on board makes a difference to. Now, is there evidence that it could treat septicemia? Yes. Yes, there is. Is there evidence that it could prevent a joint infection? No, absolutely not. I think that's, it's asking too much at that point to even, to even assume that. So um, we don't have any evidence for that. And then the other assumption that irritates the hell out of me is that the antibiotics that we prescribe for this, this is why so many people are like, look, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just going to prescribe them anyhow because I want to cover my ass legally. And there's an assumption there that there's no downside to taking antibiotics. There's no downside to having this giant bolus of antibiotics given to your patient. You know, like, And honestly, if there was no downside, if there was no effect of this, I guess I would be okay with it. Like, if, they, if it didn't have potential side effects, then I guess fine. But there's a reason that, you know, these are prescribed medications. There's a reason that people are getting bent out of shape about, about uh, bacteria becoming essentially immune to the antibiotics that used to be able to kill them. This resistance, the antibiotic resistance, is a problem. It's real. So what are the problems with taking antibiotics? Well, for one thing... Uh, the, if you don't need them, it can help uh, create antibiotic resistance in bugs if you don't need them. The other thing is is that like the side effects of taking antibiotics, if, if, you've ever, if you ever wanted to have your doctor just give you a great case of diarrhea, all you'd do is ask him to give you a giant dose of an antibiotic. Basically, the effect of antibiotics will cause GI upset. Basically, they're killing bugs that are in your, your gastric tract. Uh, and it's going to cause diarrhea. It's going to cause problems. It, it you can't you can't just kill the bad bugs. You're going to kill a whole bunch of bugs. So then you have to reestablish, and you you don't know what it's going to kill and what's not. So it can throw you off. It could cause GI upset. Frankly, uh, clindamycin is well known for for causing like uh, Clostridium difficile stuff. C diff is bad news. Needs to be treated in a hospital. All that stuff. I have to tell you, I have done that to patients before. That has that literally. Patients have taken antibiotics that I've prescribed, and they had to go in the hospital for C. diff. That's not good, okay? Uh, I'm going to just read something from the CDC here. Any medication can have serious side effects. For antibiotics, those side effects can include adverse drug reactions and Clostridium difficile infection, a.k.a. CDI. Patients who are unnecessarily exposed to antibiotics are placed at risk for serious adverse events with no clinical benefit. The misuse of antibiotics has also contributed to the growing problem of antibiotic resistance, which has become one of the most serious and growing threats to public health. Unlike other medications, the potential for spread of resistant organisms means that the misuse of antibiotics can adversely impact the health of patients who are not even exposed to them. So this is the thing that really gets me. You're actually affecting people that are not even sitting in your chair when you're prescribing an antibiotic when you don't have to. I mean, that's, that's real. I know that dentists, basically their eyes kind of glaze over and they're not hearing anything because it's just the thing that we do in dentistry. But the reality is, is like, we're part of the problem. 
we might not be the biggest part of the problem, but we're part of the problem. And so if we don't have to prescribe an antibiotic, we shouldn't. The Centers for Disease, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates more than 2 million people are infected with antibiotic-resistant organisms, resulting in approximately 23,000 deaths annually. That's heavy. That's, like, super heavy. Like, it's, it's worth being on the right side of that, I think, personally. If, if we don't need to be prescribing these antibiotics, we shouldn't be. And actually, the, the doses that we have to pres- prescribe, you know, preoperatively for these are big. They're like, you know, uh, four tablets of 500 milligrams of moxicillin. Is that, that's an entire day's dose when you're treating when you're treating a dental infection. So you're taking that all at once. No, you know, yes, it's going to tear someone's stomach up. It has potential. So basically we shouldn't do it for the fact that we shouldn't do it. Um, but not only should we, you know, be better stewards of antibiotics, <laughs> there's no evidence that it helps. In other words, we're doing this because of what we always have done instead of taking a good hard look at why we're doing it. So there's, that's real That is like absolutely real. So I want to finish with like, the statements of the the basically the organizations that dentists and orthopedic surgeons have come up with. They have put together committees to study this sort of thing. We're paying our dues in hopes that they come up with good good guidelines like this. And basically, uh, I want to read a little bit to you here. This is like okay, so the ADA came up with uh, these the the ADA studied this, and it was in 2014 that they kind of came up with their their panel to do this. And uh, basically they came up with guidelines. They put together a working group. Uh, They went through all the evidence and I actually wrote a blog post about this a little bit. Uh, Maybe I'll link it. This, I wrote the blog post as they were doing it. Actually, I was was furious and insane, but it was kind of an entertaining thing to read after the fact. But the bottom line is, that they evaluated the evidence. The evidence was the evidence was a joke. The evidence was an absolute joke about why we were doing this. We've been doing this because the only reason that we were really doing it is because we always had done it. But the the clinical practice guideline states in general for patients with prosthetic joint implants, prophylactic antibiotics are not recommended prior to dental procedures to prevent prosthetic joint infection. Um so the ADA it was cool because when I wrote this blog post the ADA had not weighed in and I was basically I think I said horrible things about the ADA, like they needed to weigh in, they needed to like sound off like they had a pair. I think it's what I said, and uh, and actually they did. Amazingly enough, I I'm not going to take credit for the fact that they did, but they actually did. It makes sense. So, um, there are certain situations where they feel like premedication might be might be important, and basically, I want to say that both groups felt like uh, people who have had previous joint infections are at greater risk and it might make sense to do that and people who are immune suppressed and that does make a lot of sense because if you remember correctly one of the reasons that we don't get you know infections all over our body all the time from whatever we do is because we have an amazing immune system that helps protect us but the bottom line is that if our immune system is is down for whatever reason then it does maybe make a little sense to add a little insurance on that Again, there's no evidence that there's no evidence that any particular antibiotic is going to help, but but it does. Like I said, it's scientifically plausible. So um, now the AAOS, uh, which is the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons, also weighed in, and this is the thing that's crazy. This was just I want to say this was like the last in the last year or so, and um, they say, look, the, there are some assumptions for planned dental procedures. The chance of oral bacteria 
the chance of oral bacteremia being related to joint infections is extremely low with no evidence for an association. So what they're saying is there's really no evidence that dental work is connected to joint infections. Oral bacteremia frequently occurs secondary to activities of daily living, such as toothbrushing and eating. This is the Dorito argument. Basically, <laughs> you can get the same effects as if you were at the dental office by biting wrong on a Dorito. That's what they're saying. Virtually all dental office procedures have the potential to create bacteremia. That's the assumptions they're making. And let's be honest, it's true. All of that is true. So they're saying, knowing this is the case, that they're, they don't recommend for healthy people, they don't recommend bacteria, or they don't recommend antibiotic prophylaxis. They just don't. Um, so they will say that for se- severely, immunocom- severely immunocompromised patients, like people with stage 3 AIDS, cancer patients, uh, rheumatoid arthritis patients using certain medications, uh, organ transplants, basically it's pretty rare. What they're talking about is pretty rare. The, the real serious uh, immunocompromised people are probably need to be premedicated. People who are poorly controlled diabetics uh, need to be premedicated, interestingly. And that is probably more common in your office than, than uh, the, these rarer things with immune system problems, right? Like, basically, there's a certain A1C that they would recommend it. And I have to tell you, I thought, that, I thought the ADA was pretty smart in saying someone who's had a previous joint infection because clearly they have shown the risk factors for it. So the bottom line is, okay, so the, the AAOS is saying, no, you should not premedicate. The ADA is saying, no, you should pre- not premedicate. So I've made an argument. I think I made a pretty good argument for not writing that script. Okay. So how does this work in real life? How does this work when your patient is sitting in the chair and is confused because they have been taking, they've had a a knee replacement 10 years ago and they always took antibiotics because their surgeon told them they needed it. You told them they needed it. You wrote the prescription for them. Well, here's what I've been doing, uh, which is bizarre because this, this is not new research. It's not new research, but I kind of act like it's new research. I say, you know what? These different organizations have really evaluated the evidence and have found that that an antibiotic does not make any difference for the risk. The risk of you getting a joint infection from dental work is very, very low. So low that the risk of you having a reaction to the antibiotic is higher than the risk of you having a problem with your artificial joint. So I recommend against it. And so I'm telling these patients that they're off the hook in about, oh, I'll bet 60% of them are super psyched. They don't need any more than me authoritatively saying that they don't need it anymore. And uh, then there's some that really feel like they still want it. And I tell them that uh, they need to talk to their surgeon about that and they need to have their surgeon write the prescription for it. That's a simple way out. But I have to tell you that I, th- I feel like we should be stronger about this. I think we should. I do this for a lot of my patients. I say, I'm not going to write it. Your surgeon can write it, but I strongly recommend against taking it because the evidence that we have does not show any protection from this antibiotic. And you're much more likely to have a reaction to the antibiotic than you are to get any protection from it. That's a stronger statement than I have evidence for too, by the way. But I feel like (laughs) there comes a time when you have to be the authority figure to the patient. It's a silly thing. I don't even like saying that, but it's kind of true. If you can say it authoritatively and and without feeling like you're without feeling like you're you're 
you know, beating up on the patient, but authoritatively, they generally will feel much better about this. A lot of the patients are saying, look, I've always been taking these antibiotics. It scares me that I would not be taking it. They're not looking at the evidence. And frankly, we have to admit that the evidence, the evidence has only, you know, we've only bothered to look at the evidence now. We haven't looked at the evidence in the past. So you were not getting any benefit from it before <laughs> is, is what we have to say. People are not comfortable medical people in particular are not comfortable admitting that we were wrong about stuff, but we were, we were wrong about it in the past. And so we need to stop. We need to fix that. So the other problem with this is, and I know this locally is that a lot of orthopedic surgeons are not following the guidelines of their organization. They scoff at the guidelines of the American dental association and they say, Oh no, they need to be premedicated for life. And frankly, they're wrong when they're saying this, they really should be able to posit a particular kind of evidence for this. But since they're surgeons and surgeons are big shot doctors and, and they get to make the call, they're saying this, but I will never write a prescription for a patient at this point. And, and frankly, it's gotten ugly and weird with a couple patients before. It's frustrating because it shouldn't be like that. Uh, and you get to a point where you're like, oh, come on, it's just a dose of antibiotics. But for me, it's kind of, I'm pretty serious about the the implications of what it, the, the fact of the matter is, is that this, this is one thing that I'm pretty comfortable saying there's, this is a, a wives tale that we've been hanging on to for a long time. So I tend, again, I tend to, for whatever reason, I tend to, I tend to die on this particular battlefield. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to make it a, a big deal out of this. I'm not exactly sure why, but um, basically if they're going to get an antibiotic, they're going to get it from their physician. They're going to get it from their surgeon, not from me. Um, now, the last thing, of course, that most dentists look at me and say, look, uh, legally, I'm in trouble if I don't do this. If they get a joint infection, I'm on the hook for it. And what I'm going to tell you is uh, I don't doubt that a lawyer would try and make that argument. I don't doubt that. I know for a fact that the surgeons all say that every time someone comes in with a joint infection that wasn't you know, recently after surgery, they, they're looking for someone to blame that's not them. And you know sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes, sometimes you uh, you're out deer hunting and you <laughs> you cut your arm on some sharp brush, and there you go. I mean, like this. The bottom line is, like the dentist is sort of the scapegoat. And frankly, we're always going to be the scapegoat on this deal. And I don't think we need to live our lives in fear. If you're covering your ass with this, then great. So I'm, I hope you sleep well at night, but the bottom line is you're doing the wrong thing in an effort to cover your ass. I, I find, I'll bet you in five or ten years this won't ever, even be an issue. What's going to have to happen is the orthopedic surgeons who don't want to change are going to they're going to die off. They just just like everything, you know, they eventually get old and die out, and we're going to. So I'm sure in ten years this won't even be a thing. But the right thing to do is uh, to not write for this. It's because it's just the risk of of oral bacteria from dental work causing a joint infection is essentially nothing. So bottom line, I believe that there will have to be an actual like landmark lawsuit that goes one way or the other to make most dentists feel better about this. I don't, I don't believe that there has been such a thing and maybe there won't be, I don't know with, with the AOS coming out and basically uh, saying that it's, we're not supposed to write for this. We're not supposed to write antibiotics for it. Maybe that lawsuit will never happen. I was convinced back when I wrote that blog post that uh, that it was going to have to happen with a lawsuit, you know. And I guess I'm, I don't want to be that lawsuit. I really don't. But on the other hand, I don't. I also don't want to be the guy who gives them an antibiotic that 
that they actually finally develop anaphylactic shock to after being fine with amoxicillin for the you know the last forty five years. I'm not interested in that either. So no real reason to give it to them if 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 there's no effect for it. So. All right, I am interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. It's it's for me, it's a huge pet peeve, and uh, kind of has been for a while. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So, if you have any questions or comments about this, you can email me at alan at the alanmeadexperience dot com or alan a l a n at meadfamilydental dot com. I'd love to hear from you. And if I've got something wrong, man, I'd love to hear about it. If you're interested in you know the conversations that we have around the Alameda Experience, you should join the Facebook group. All you got to do is go on Facebook and search Alan Mead Experience. Now, I won't let you in without the password, and the password is Premier, as in Inspired Solutions for Daily Dentistry, the people who bring this show to you. The password is Premier, so come join us. We have a good time. It's a, it's a small group. It's a very friendly group. We have good discussions, and maybe we'll have some good discussions about uh, premedication for total joint replacement stuff. But I appreciate you listening to to this, and I'm interested to hear if you think this is a good use of time or not. It's a little different than what I've done. This is almost like an, a little bit of academic review about something that, that's kind of interesting that we run into on a day-to-day basis. So, And shoot, you know what? You could also play this for your team if they're curious about wh- what we should or shouldn't be doing about premedication. So I'm interested to hear what you think. And I really appreciate you listening to the show. And um, hey, last second, go check out VoiceOfDentistry.com. Uh, the Voice of Dentistry meeting is coming up in less than a month. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a blast. All the all the big dental podcasters are going to be there. Um, it's a great speaker sign up. Uh, it's a great speaker lineup, and you know, it's 16 CES, and you can get. But that's not even the reason to go. The reason to go is to to see all the podcasts being made. Maybe even be a part of the podcast, which is maybe the funnest thing about it because it's a super interactive meeting. It was a blast last year. It's going to be even better this year in Scottsdale, Arizona voicesofdentistry.com. Come see us. We'd love to see you. So thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you have to say and what you think about what I'm talking about. And we'll talk to you next time.